I wanna be the very best that no one ever was. To catch them is my real test. To train them is my cause. I will travel across the land, searching far and wide. These Pokemon to understand. The power that's inside. I love you, Peter. Pokemon. Gotta catch it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Interstate Gamers Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, aka K Slugs. My name is Peter, a.k.a. Deal for Real, and I'm also your host. So, as you Advid fans know, on this podcast, we rate and discuss some of our favorite video games. And, uh, well, we haven't really gotten to the ones that we don't like so much as well. But, you know, maybe we'll get to that point. Maybe we won't. Yeah. But, really, the goal here is to spark conversation and uh, fun discussions about some of these games. And kind of think about them critically and rank them. And, I don't know, we have a lot of fun doing that, so... Speak for yourself, man. True. You might not have a lot of fun. I hate this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, a lot of people hate this podcast. Is our, so we got a lot of negative feedback recently. Yeah, we did. Uh, people people were not very pleased with the uh, April <laughs> Fool's joke, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, were they really not? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> that I'm was just, awesome. I'm just saying stuff. <laughs> You know, I, I got to say, for the, the sake of this podcast, so here I am, I'm I'm sitting at home, all right? And, and I don't know if you've tuned into our episode 6.5, but you haven't yet. Spoilers, uh, it's, a, it's a good one, so you should go give it a listen and then come back and yell at us. But I'm sitting here at my girlfriend's house, my girlfriend's parents' house, right? And we're having Easter dinner. And I get a call from none other than P. Willie himself. Uh, Pistol Pete, as you may know him. So, uh, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm like, what is, what is he calling me for? Like, what, it, it's got to be important. So I was like, <laughs> excuse me, I, I have to take this call. And so I go out there and Peter's like, dude, I have the best idea ever. I was like, what's that? He's like, we should make an April Fool's podcast. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but it was totally worth it. And uh, I was sitting there for too long anyways. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so my perspective is that I was uh, taking a shower uh, because I'm a dirty boy and <laughs> all my greatest ideas I think they come to me while I'm taking a shower and I just I thought of this idea I was like oh shit like I need to I need to tell Kevin and like I kept I kept uh, developing the idea as I was showering and like repeating it to myself so I wouldn't forget it because sometimes I like forget good ideas as soon as I have them so I get out of the shower and I get dressed like as quickly as possible and then I grab my cell phone and I'm like Kevin's gonna think it's probably weird that I'm calling and I don't usually oh whatever and so then I called you, and I was like, dude, this will take way too long to explain over text message, so I'm uh, calling you. You're like, what is it? And uh, and here we are. <laughs> so so were you in your birthday suit when you called me? No, I already told you that I got dressed as quickly as possible. Oh, I, I must have missed that part. <laughs> well, anyway. Intentionally, perhaps. It, it was awesome, and we hope you enjoyed our special little Easter egg gift that we gave to you. Yeah. Um. But anyway, let's talk about the beer we're drinking today. Yeah, um, I've got myself a beer from the Great Divide Brewing Company, which I've had two or three of their beers so far, and might continue to have more. They've got a pretty decent selection. Uh, but this one is an IPA, 
in true Colorado fashion, I'm drinking one right now. And it's called the Titan IPA. I was just looking it up on Untapped, and it has over 100,000 votes, which blew my mind because it didn't even occur to me that that many people could use Untapped. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> like, I don't know. But it has that many votes. It's got a pretty good rating. Um, I personally have not usually been a fan of IPAs, but I think I might be getting there just slowly over time, drinking one like maybe once every, once every month or something. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm getting a little bit of a taste for it, but because I haven't had too many, I don't really know how this one stacks up. It's got like a 3.7 on uh, on Untapped, so right. it can't be terrible. But uh, right. yeah, I don't have a strong opinion. <laughs> right. I personally do like uh, IPAs, um, but today I don't have an IPA. I have a cider, which I you can really call a beer, but uh, hey, you know it's an alcoholic beverage. So. Uh, this is the California Ace Berry Hard Cider, and I gotta say, it is not the most pleasant thing I've ever drank. But um, you know, it 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 does does the trick. <laughs> now I like ciders, so I'd be interested in giving that a shot sometime. Yeah, I think it's just I don't even know if it's the fact that it's a cider. It might just be the flavor of the cider. It's just very like it's very very berry. And I, I don't know, it's a little bit too berry for me. So anyway, well, um, I believe, Peter, that this podcast is a monumental podcast. And do you want to know why? Please. Because on this podcast, we will get to talk about our very first fan feedback from none other than Jason. Is it Jason Tate? From, yes, he says his name at the beginning of every Yeasty Boys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not good with names. Uh, Jason Tate from the Yeasty Boys. Uh, fun fun fact, um, I just played Sea of Thieves with the Yeasty Boys the other day, and it is every bit of it was every bit as fun as you'd expect. So um, that was awesome. But yeah, we got we got some fan mail today. Yeah, we did. Um, Jason had some interesting discussion points for us, so I'm going to let him do the talking, and I'm going to read some of his email. And uh, you and I can discuss. So, Jason Tate says, Hey boys, your friend Jason from the Easty Boys here. Just wanted to say that I really enjoy the most recent IG episode on Super Mario World. Thank you, Jason. Definitely one of my all-time favorite games. The episode inspired me to share a couple of thoughts and questions. Peter brought up that he wished there were more tunes in the game while still appreciating the soundtrack for what it is. I would normally agree with this, but I think that one of the most interesting parts about the soundtrack is that many of the different levels are unique variations of the same overworld theme. For me, by being deliberately restricted in this way, composer Koji Kondo is showing just how brilliant simplicity can be in an OST. Just my perspective. Um, so I would like to say that I really admire Koji Kondo's work. He's one of the few composers that I can, uh, that I can name, which for <laughs> me is a sign that I really like their work. Um, and I, I don't have a problem. I, I do agree, Jason, that I think it's wonderful that he did create most of the music for the game by making variations of the same theme. I just wish that there were more variations, if that makes sense. And uh, I might not have made that clear in the podcast. But again, uh, something I did make clear in the podcast is that that's a very small complaint. And that's me kind of looking for something to complain about for the sake of like, not just ranting and raving about Super Mario World. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah Koji Kondo is a stellar composer. Uh, the music in this game, definitely some fine, fine work. Uh, Jason says... Oh, you'll appreciate this, Kevin. Jason also said that he's uh, 
He's a huge fan of Koji Kondo, and he considers his work on Majora's Mask to be the gold standard. Oh, yes, definitely. I, I also want to touch on that simplicity point and kind of bring that into Majora's Mask. Um, I, I, think he, I think he mentioned in the email that it, it does feature some simplicity with sound, but like you see reoccurring themes in songs, and I don't know, it just... <sighs> I don't know what it does for me, but it makes me feel good. <laughs> I don't know. Like the simplicity of Super Mario World was amazing, and I really didn't think it needed any more for it to be a good soundtrack. And I, I think I mentioned on the podcast that it was, it was good for what it was. Um, and I, and I really, there were no complaints for me here. Um, and I think Majora's Mask is a fantastic soundtrack which i think i will get into later but um i i do see a lot of elements from super mario world and just the sim- similarity in style um to majora's mask so yeah well you know work done by the same hand etc etc so uh jason continues this got me thinking what ost is your personal favorite and why doesn't have to be the one you think is the best necessarily. It could just be the one that you have a certain fondness for. So uh, you and I were discussing this a little bit pre-show. Uh, Kevin, what are some of your favorite OSTs? Mm. Some of my favorite OSTs. Well, as I had mentioned, Majora's Mask is actually up there uh, as one of the top five. That's for sure. And fun, like another fun fact, uh, Majora's Mask. I didn't start playing till. Probably these past few years, probably in the past five years, uh, is when I started playing Majora's Mask. So it wasn't even as a kid. I don't have any nostalgia particularly for this game. I just think that's how good the game and its soundtrack is. So the fact that that stood out to me, I think, says a lot. Um, another one is Banjo. That's one I do have a lot of nostalgia for. And I think a lot of uh, fans have a nostalgia for. But people love Grant Kirkhope and his... Um, soundtracks that he makes for all the rare games that he did back in the the day. Um, he did mm-hmm. Banjo-Kazooie, did Banjo-Tooie, Donkey Kong 64, uh, many other rare games that people enjoy. Perfect Dark, GoldenEye. Right, yes. Um, so many. And so you can't, you can't count him out. I really enjoy Banjo-Kazooie. Could make an argument for that being um, my favorite of all time. And then I think another underrated soundtrack is uh, Pokemon Gen 3 uh, soundtrack. Hell yeah. Yeah, that one I think that one sets the gold standard for Pokemon games in terms of soundtrack. The Hoenn horns, dude. (laughs) 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 So uh, I agree with Pokemon Gen 3. That's uh, that along with Ocarina of Time's OST. Those are two OSTs that I have such a strong emotional connection to that they can bring me to tears. Ooh. Um, not like bawling, you know, sobbing, but every now and then I'll go back and listen to them and I'll get a little tear in my eye just from thinking about the simpler times and the the wonders of experiencing those games for the first time and also Ugh. the wonders of them continuing to be important to me in my life. But outside of those two, uh, I do want to shout out two other ones that I've been listening to a lot lately just on their own musical merit. One of them is Kirby Superstar. I think that that game in particular, but also in general, the Kirby games, have just such amazing soundtracks where almost every song is just this crazy like sugar rush of chords and percussion and like melodies that are here and there and everywhere. And it's just like 
a wonderful kind of sensory overload, I think, to listen to some of those songs, <laughs> especially in Superstar. Um, and then the other one is F-Zero GX for the GameCube. That game has oh. a really awesome, like, uh, kind of trancey, ravey, but also kind of like rock and metal inspired soundtrack. It's a, uh, it's from Sega's uh, music team, so they're you know not not like a in-house Nintendo composers, uh, which is cool because it's kind of different from the soundtrack of most of the games that I play because of that. But it's just so much fun to listen to. It's so energetic. It's produced so well. Um, it's <laughs> it's a little dangerous to listen to when you're actually driving. <laughs> I can say from from oh experience. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, somewhere, somewhere when you said that is Ryan fist bumping in his car. Oh hell yeah! And I really hope, I really hope that if he is listening to this podcast, Ryan, if you do listen to this podcast, I hope that when he said that you did fist bump in the air, and then when I called you out for you, like, dang it! <laughs> <laughs> that does sound like Ryan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dang. Uh, but yeah, no, yeah, great question, great email uh, from Jason Tate. Uh, we definitely. Loved uh, giving you our insight to soundtracks and what we think, and we also appreciate hearing what you think about uh, our episode previously. Yeah, we welcome any and all feedback, uh, whether it's by email or Twitter or in person. And actually, uh, we're going to start incorporating some feedback that we have gotten from listeners recently uh, regarding the rating system, which is that some people found it a little bit odd or confusing that our rating systems differ slightly between me and Kevin. So I decided that I would just adopt Kevin's uh, scale and his rating system, like with the aesthetics average and all that, uh, just because the rating systems weren't too different to where it was hard for me to change over, and I figured if I could, then I should. And uh, it's not a huge deal, but it's just something that I want to do for the listeners because they seem to want it. And uh, here at the Interstate Gamers, we're here to give the listeners what they want, I think. Yeah, Peter is a man of the people, and that's all he's ever been, a man of the the people. The people's deal. For real. <laughs> For real. And uh, yeah, so if you're one person who requested that change, uh, today's your lucky day. Today and all future days. <laughs> today and all future days. <laughs> <laughs> today and forever. Yeah, so that, that'll be fun to look forward to. And uh, I believe you made some changes to the previous episodes. Uh, slight changes, if any. Yeah. Uh, as a slight modification to uh, convert your old system to the new one. So go check out those rankings uh, to see not only updated rankings, but really where these games uh, kind of rank against each other. Um, for me personally, it seems kind of fun, and especially since we're on going to be now our seventh game, um, I think it's just kind of fun to see where these games kind of stack up against each other. So go ahead and check that out, at, I think, at tinyurl.com slash IG ratings. That is correct. Ooh, got it right. Nailed it. Um, so yeah, go check that out. But... That all being said, I think it's time to get started, man, on our Game of the Week. I think it's time to serve up those meat and potatoes. Ah, yes, the meat and potatoes. I had a lot of those <laughs> uh, on Easter break. Particularly, I had ham twice. So I had ham with my side of the family and ham with my girlfriend's side of the family, only three hours apart. You know what we call that? We call that double ham, son. The double. Uh, anyway, Peter, why don't you... Uh, uh, talk about this game we're going to talk about this week. So this is a game that uh, we've been teasing for a couple episodes now because it's the first game on the podcast that I haven't played extensively until now. Even then extensively might be a little bit of a stretch. But this is a game that I'm experiencing for the first time, and I think Kevin and I both are very excited to talk about it. And that game is Pokemon Stadium. 
Uh, this is one of my favorite games from way back in the olden days. I used to play this game as a kid nonstop, and then when my brother got old enough, I tried battling him, but you know he really just wasn't uh, at, at this point in time. He wasn't really not only versed in the Pokemon world, but he was just really young and didn't really understand what's going on. So I just I kind of when I played my family, nobody knew what they were doing, so I just kind of won. Thus, that's why. If you watch the Twitch streams that uh, uh, our boy Zlink zero nine three, that's Twitch.tv Zlink zero nine three. If you go and watch those and you look up the vods, that's why you'll see me making up Pokemon facts that make absolutely no sense because <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. But this is where it all started for me. Actually, it was Pokemon Yellow, but this is it, it kind of enhanced my love for Pokemon so to speak, and uh, I absolutely love this game, so I'm glad we're getting to rate it. Yeah. And I'm glad you get to experience it. Yeah. Um, my experience with Pokemon in general, and we're probably going to have to do like a a quote-unquote actual Pokemon game later so we can really get into the weeds with all this, but I got started with Gen 3, which is Ruby, Sapphire, Emerald, and those came out in 03 or 04, I think. Um, so kind of a late start, but I got really into it. Um, I've played Pokemon Coliseum, which is sort of the spiritual sequel to Pokemon Stadium because it's another 3D uh, Pokemon game, but with the new Gen 3 Pokemon. But I had never played Pokemon Stadium. I'd never actually played a proper Generation 1 game until just about a week ago when I first started playing Pokemon Stadium. So certainly a landmark, I think, in my personal Pokemon journey, getting to experience this game for the first time. Um, This game is for the Nintendo 64, in case you don't know. It was released in the year 2000, Y2K. And a fun fact, it was actually preceded by a less complete Japan-only release in 1998. Oh, really? Yeah, so the game we know as Pokemon Stadium, the Japanese call Pokemon Stadium 2. What? Yep. Isn't that weird? I don't understand. Yeah. Well, it's kind of similar to like how uh, Japan got red and green version of the Game Boy games like two years or even three years before the U.S. did. Okay. So they were on that Pokemon tip for a long time. We, uh, we the North Americans, we were all latecomers, I think. Huh. Interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah. So here on the Interstate Gamers, we talk about the gameplay of games. We talk about their aesthetics and we talk about their content. And uh, Kevin, do you want to kick us off with some gameplay? Yeah, let, let me kick us off, man. On the gameplay, uh, I would say, you know... For what this game basically implies with its name uh, is that it's a Pokemon Stadium. And you would think, okay, I'm battling with Pokemon inside a stadium. And that's what you're doing. It's a pretty straightforward Pokemon battling game. Um, but it's definitely good with ins- its simplicity, which is something we talked about earlier with soundtracks. Um, and it kind of knows what kind of game it is. Um, I believe we mentioned this uh, previously. Um, but the other Pokemon games kind of had more involved, especially the adventure games. I think this one was destined to be, or it was set out to be, uh, more of a straightforward, as I mentioned, Pokemon battling game where you battle with your friends, or you can even battle the computer. Um, but it did have some cool twists and features along the way, uh, which you know kind of made it a really good game, in my opinion. Yeah, I'll chime in here and say that, speaking of what the game set out to be, that's something that I tried to keep in mind a lot because... My first impression of it, and this was also my impression with Pokemon Coliseum back when I first played that several years ago, um, I couldn't help but think, oh man, like I could just be playing a regular Pokemon game because these uh, these games, these 3D games, they're sort of isolated segments of the main games. 
uh, which you said, you know, Pokemon Stadium, it's all about battling, and that's that's really the bottom line. Um, although I would I would expand that and say that the purpose of Pokemon Stadium was to give people who already had the Game Boy games an opportunity to use their own beloved Pokemon in this 3D arena, see them on all their glory, uh, with all the effects, all the sounds, everything. Yes. Um, and that's really, I think, what the core audience was and the core purpose of the game. So for me coming in, I don't have the original Pokemon games. I don't have a transfer pack, uh, any of that stuff. So for me coming in uh, 18 years later, holy shit, <laughs> 18 <laughs> years later, um, and playing the single player, you know, I, I was not the target audience and the game wasn't really made for me, right? Mm-hmm. So I think in some ways that gave me a, an unfavorable impression at first. But I sort of stepped back kind of later in my reviewing process and I was thinking, okay, like I have to remember that I'm not really getting the whole experience and I, I can only really judge the game on like on its intent, right? And how well it achieved that intent. So I think I'm going to rely on you a little bit for this uh, because I think you, I don't know if you had the transfer pack and all that stuff. Uh, you can probably talk about that in a second, but I think I might rely on you generally to sort of fill in the gaps of my knowledge and my experience. Right. Right, and so one thing you got to kind of take into consideration as well um, is that how groundbreaking it kind of kind of was. Um, so we're sitting here. Everybody loves Pokemon. Everybody loves the Pokemon Game Boy Color adventure games. All of a sudden, they're coming out on Nintendo sixty four, and they're in like three D and all these different Pokemon you have access to that you've always you know kind of wondered what it would be like in real life. What would what would these Pokemon look like? And while it doesn't give you the real life aspect. It gets you pretty darn close, especially in this day and age. Um, so, you know, the Nintendo 64 being the latest and greatest console of that age. Um, it was so cool to see these Pokemon uh, just there and you can use them to battle. Like it, it was basically what you had envisioned Pokemon being when you were playing the Gen 1 Pokemon games and all its non-visual glory. <laughs> uh, back in the day so you were like man I think it would be really cool to have this giant Gyarados on my and, and you know the game tells you how big these Pokemon are but like you can only envision them either like I guess through the game guide which I had which kind of gave you a little bit better clue visually of what how big they were or I mean they were kind of scrunched up sometimes on the uh, handheld console so you were like you know, you could envision generally what these Pokemon looks like, but I think Pokemon Stadium really set the tone. And this kind of gets into my visuals a little bit, but it really set the tone for how Pokemon looked and felt during like this time, especially in terms of like the 3D aspect. Um, it, it really changed the design of Pokemon drastically, I would say. I mean, think about Gen 1 sprites. And then when you're playing Pokemon Stadium, how drastically of a difference is that? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a gigantic difference. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I think this this game was amazing. Um, go, going back a little bit more into the gameplay, it wasn't always just straight-up battling, but that's the basic premise of the game. They did have mini-games, which a lot of people ended up liking, um, and they expanded on a lot more in 2. Um, even giving it its own like proper point system. There are so many different game modes which in which you could battle. You could battle with your friends in uh, free battle. Um, you could do the Pokemon Stadium Cups, which are like basically different kinds of rule set. Dif- I think different levels. I know you played the Cups a little bit more. 
So you got a uh, you have a better refresh rate. It's more fresh on your brain than it's than it is mine. But there's basically like I think different levels and certain Pokemon that you can use in these cups. Yeah. So there's different cups which have different difficulties. There's the mode where you can basically it's it's almost like the game's story mode. It pretty much is, but you battle the uh, gym trainers from Gen One all the way up to the Elite Four, um, and it's actually pretty challenging. So um, yeah, when they <laughs> when they give you the Pokemon, uh, well, so you can choose to transfer your own Pokemon into the game, right? And you can use those Pokemon in Pokemon Stadium, which is another insanely cool feature that this game added. Um, but and for those of you who don't know, the transfer pack was this little thing you could put on the bottom of your controller and stick your Game Boy Color console in, and you could transfer your Pokemon in there, or you could even play the game itself on the Nintendo 64. So that was pretty cool. But anyway, getting back into the story mode, so the Pokemon that they gave you, while you could choose a final evolution Pokemon, like a, like a what do you call it, a tier 3 evolution, some might call it, you could use that. But sometimes the second stage or the original stage Pokemon had better moves. So you kind of had to choose between having better moves or stronger Pokemon. And I thought that was an interesting design aspect. Um, although it kind of th- made things a lot more difficult. And yeah, uh, especially in the long run when you get into the later portions of the story mode. But I, I really enjoyed the story mode and I'm glad that it was challenging enough to where it wasn't easy. But it wasn't overly hard, and it kind of gave you a sense of accomplishment when you finished it. You're like, yeah, I am a Pokemon master. <laughs> thing we've all been striving for. <laughs> so to talk a little bit more about the way that the battles actually function, because they are pretty different from the mainline Pokemon games. Um, I believe that every trainer you encounter in the game has six possible Pokemon that they choose from, which mirrors the six Pokemon that you establish as your own team. But then per battle, the opponent chooses three of their six Pokemon, and you don't know which three they choose until the battle is underway. So you have to kind of look at the pool of Pokemon they have available to them, and then you have to make your decision of which three Pokemon you want to choose out of your six, just based on, you know, kind of probability of what they're going to send out, uh, you know, gut feelings, things like that. And so the neat thing about that, and also the thing that makes that more difficult in a way than regular Pokemon battles is that if you're playing the same battle, like if you lose to a gym leader and you're going through the gym again, the trainers might use different Pokemon than they did last time. So it's very different than the mainline Pokemon games where if you lose to Misty and you know that Misty has X, Y, and Z, you can start over and think, okay, I know that they're going to have X, Y, and Z and those know, those Pokemon know these moves, so I'm just going to change my strategy. Um, in Stadium, you don't know if she's going to send out those same three. She might send out two of the three or one of the three or even zero of the three, she might send out the other ones. So that's something that I found um, very different because I did lose a couple of gyms and I did have to start over a few times. And, you know, it it wasn't any easier necessarily the second time around because you're not able to do the same thing, but better, you have to do a different thing. Yeah. So, um, and again, that's all about battles. I think that that's kind of a cool thing they did. They, you know, made the game more unpredictable. Right. And made the fact that it it made the fact that all you're doing is battling a lot better, I think. Yeah, I think that's a really a, a really good point. And I kind of wonder, like, why don't the help handheld games do that? Now that you mention this, um, I think that would be a pretty cool idea. 
Um, but it would kind of be, it kind of just changed the way the games have always worked. So there's that. But I don't know. That's, yeah, I really do like that design. Yeah. Most of the other ways that I feel about the gameplay are kind of based on the fact that it is a Gen 1 game, which I am not terribly familiar with because this is my first time playing such a game. So there are some janky things that Gen 1 has. If you've played a lot of Pokemon, you probably know about them and you probably agree. But there are some weird things like, for example, faster Pokemon being more likely to score critical hits, which can be really broken sometimes. There are moves like Bind and Wrap, which really aggravated me personally (laughs) while I was playing. (laughs) Kevin can attest to this. Yeah, But the moves bind and wrap, basically the opponent wraps you or binds you with their tentacles or their their body or what have you. <laughs> and it does a little bit of damage to you for like three turns and you can't move and they can't do anything but continue wrapping you. And it's just like a total waste of time. It's just such a dumb waste of time. And those moves, they change them later on, I think starting in Gen 2 or Gen 3, to where it didn't behave that same way. Um, it behaved in a way that was a lot less irritating. And so for me playing this game for the first time, there were several opponents that would use those moves on me and just frustrate the shit out of me. And I was like, I would literally like put down my controller. Like I'm having 1000% less fun than I was having literally a minute ago. (laughs) Like, because I can't do anything except sit here and wait for this move to randomly stop doing its thing. Right. So that's my little rant about those moves. But um, that's probably the biggest example of little weird things in gen one that bother me. Mm -hmm. But they're not things that I can hold against this game because this game is just a reflection of the mechanics of Gen 1 that were already established. Right. So as much as those things might frustrate me, you can't really count it against it. Right. Right. Yeah, and I agree with that. Um, there are some Gen 1 intricacies that are very finicky. Um, so I kind of get where you're coming from there, and I think that was something... To be expected, <laughs> that I that I knew that it was probably going to be one of your critiques. Yeah, but um, I, I think it's fair. Um, Gen one does have its, and, and you know, with any like any game that's going to go seven generations, it's going to have its refinements, <laughs> and there's yeah. going to be things that you don't do right the first time, especially when the first time when you did it was like in the '90s. So, you know what I'm saying? So it's like. So, do you know? So, when did Gen One come out? The Game Boy Color games uh, in Japan, I think ninety six. In the U.S., I think ninety eight. Okay, so in the so let's just say from the U.S., it was only two years later when Stadium came out, right? Uh, yeah. Cool. Cool. I was just kind of wondering the time gap there. And when did do you know when the second generation came out? Off the top of your head, uh, very soon after Stadium, I think they came out in either two thousand or two thousand one. Right. Right. That must have been interesting where you're like, oh yeah, we just got Pokemon Stadium, and then Gen 2 comes out, and you're like, oh, I wish we had all these Pokemon, which conveniently you did have later, so. Yeah. Good thing we didn't have to, like, never have that dream. Um, One little thing I do want to mention also about gameplay is that I found it interesting, but I also kind of enjoyed that there are no items in Pokemon Stadium. Mm. Um, So, the ability for Pokemon to hold items that had effects in battle, that wasn't invented until Gen 2 which I didn't know until I looked it up actually just earlier today. Mm. But also, uh, in this game, you can't use potions, you can't use X attack, X defend, whatever. It's just straight up battling. Um, The negative side to that is that if your Pokemon has a status condition, you're kind of fucked. Like, you can't cure your paralysis (laughs) or your sleep. Well, you wake up from sleep, but 
you can't cure your poison, you can't cure your uh, frozen status, whatever. Um, which can be kind of annoying, but at the same time, it's pretty nice that it's more streamlined. And you don't have gym leaders, you know, using four stores on their Pokemon yes. five times a battle. You don't have any of that. You just really have to rely more on your strategy and your uh, your ability to contain problems. It just becomes a lot more important, like, that you know how to manage these bad situations. And I think that's really interesting. Right. Well, uh, in Gen 1, you could use, uh, not in this game particularly, but you still could use items on your Pokemon. You just had to, you, the trainer, use them on your Pokemon. The The Pokemon couldn't hold them Right. to clear up any confusion on that. But um, in Pokemon Stadium 2, that changes. So <laughs> <laughs> you, you can have your Pokemon hold an item. Yeah. One little thing, this is like a super minor point, but it's something I think would be cool for people like me who didn't have my uh, Game Boy Pokemon to transfer over, is I kind of wish that you could, <laughs> this is going to sound a little silly, but I kind of wish that you could nickname your team of rental Pokemon. Oh, I agree with you. <laughs> Good. <laughs> the reason I say that is because as a person who's borrowing these Pokemon and playing the game, I felt... I feel like I felt less attached to my Pokemon and by extension the whole game because they weren't my Pokemon. I understand that's the point. Like the game calls them rental Pokemon, which also sounds kind of weird and like makes me a little bit uncomfortable. But <laughs> like. <laughs> that's but, actually a hilarious point. <laughs> uh, they got this farm of Pokemon and you're just like, oh, I'll take that one. Uh, well, we'll take that one this time. These Pokemon aren't love, they're just used for battling. Yeah, it's a it's a shitty shitty stick that these guys drew from the from the hand. But anyway, um, like I would find myself losing to Blaine, the fire type gym leader, or his trainers, and I'd be kind of dejected. Because oh, here's another thing: is that if you lose one of the if you lose in one of the gyms, you have to do the whole gym over again, which I think is a little too harsh. Personally, it did discourage me from playing. Um, but anyway, yeah, I was thinking like, oh, my crew. I kind of have my mainstays. I have my Kadabra. I have my Dugong, I have uh, my Magneton, and I love those Pokemon very much, but I can't nickname them, damn it. And it's like, <laughs> you know, I just a little tiny thing. And I, I doubt that anyone really cared back then. Uh, maybe they did, I don't know. But j- just one thing that I think would have really enhanced the uh, the emotional investment in the game for people like me who don't have their own team to, to play with. And it uh, wouldn't have been very hard to implement either, I don't think. Right. So I guess that's more of like a a content thing, then? Uh, I guess. I mean, it, it affected my desire to play the game, which so just kind of why I put it under gameplay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it affects my desire to play the game. Well, like, what if a soundtrack was bad and affected your desire to play the game? Shut up, man. Okay, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. Um, I, I do want to end my side of gameplay on two more overall points rather than this kind of detailed stuff. Um, I do appreciate how easy it is to just pick it up and play a Pokemon battle, whether against the computer or against your friend. Like, literally all you do is just you grab your controllers, you choose your Pokemon if you want to, you can also do like a random selection of Pokemon, and you just play the game. Like, it's super easy. You don't have to rely on your friend's Pokemon being the same level as you or whatever. You don't have to use link cables and link up your Game Boys. You just literally plug in your controller and like, I want these people, I want these people, boom. There you go. Yes. Super easy. Yeah. And piggybacking off that, and you said this earlier, actually, or you alluded to this earlier, is that I appreciate how you can choose almost any Pokemon you want. Like, you can choose 149 of the 151. 
Right. And a lot of those Pokemon for me were ones I had never had in a Pokemon game before, like uh, Dugong I had never trained in a Pokemon game. Dugong's probably the most prominent example. And I ended up really liking Dugong after a few battles. But I would find myself using these Pokemon, and I thought, oh, that's really cool. I've never trained a Dugong or a Scyther or whatever, and it's really cool that you just literally choose them from uh, from the Pokemon vendor, I guess, which goes back to our other <laughs> less pleasant point. But it's so cool. Like, it's really awesome. And uh, right. that's something that I don't think you could do in Pokemon Coliseum, which came out a few years later. So I commend Stadium for doing that. It made me happy you didn't have to unlock Pokemon, you know. Like, that's pretty cool. Right. And I think, you know, bypassing the Link cable was such a huge deal. <laughs> it it kind of just made the game more easier to play with your friends. You know, like, I wouldn't say Pokemon was super accessible to play with your friends back in the day. So, yeah, that was pretty a pretty neat feature to seamlessly be able to play with your friends like that. And that's one of my things about the game that I, what I really think the game is about is all about playing your Pokemon or playing Pokemon with your friends in a cool way. It's a really good multiplayer game. Um, and not only that, it just just looks good, uh, at least, you know, back then. Yeah, speaking of looking good, I think we might be ready to segue into that if we, uh, if you and I are ready to give our gameplay scores. What do you think? Let's ride that segue into the next section. All right, so for gameplay, I gave it a fat, solid 90. Damn, that's pretty good, man. Yeah. I gave it a slightly less fat, but still solid 80. Yeah. In reality, I gave it a 4 out of 5, but since I'm <laughs> using the same system, got to round it up, and whatever. Peter's going to be stubborn and still use his system, but just as like a scaled up version. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're getting a look behind the curtain here. Um, but yeah, uh, I would say that my personal experience with the gameplay was probably a little bit less because of some of the things I mentioned and how I'm used to like more refined Pokemon games, but I think Thinking about the original context and thinking about the main goal of the game, it is really solid. Agreed, man. I agree. Well, cool. That moves us on to our favorite section, aesthetics. Aesthetics. <laughs> so, um, kicking it off with the visuals, we already know how I feel about this as I touched on it in gameplay, but um, this game was pretty groundbreaking in terms of uh, how it looked and having all the Pokemons. Pokemons. I can't believe Pokemans. I just said that. Pokemans, having all the Pokemans, uh, 3D and all these special effects going on with them, it's what you envision Pokemon to be. And especially in terms of battling. I don't know if it was the first 3D modeled Pokemon game. I don't know if like something like Hey You Pikachu or Pokemon Snap came out first, but it is the first 3D modeled battling Pokemon game. And I think it looks great. Um, two improves upon these models even more i mean naturally but i think this really this game really set the mold in terms of pokemon in general of what they look like today yeah um i was quite impressed with the pokemon models for the time period i think a few of them look kind of weird like the machop family i noticed they all look kind of dumpy um their faces have some weird things going on um but as far as the Pokemon models go, that's really my only complaints. In general, I think they were rendered really beautifully. Um, they weren't very texture-heavy, which actually works to the N64's advantage, because the N64 has never really been good with textures. But um, the models look really good, and they're animated in such a lovely way. They're all really full of life. 
Um, the idle animations, the move animations, especially the fainting animations. I know that you and I are big fans of the fainting animations, but it just they just have so much personality, and it makes it a lot more fun to play the game and seeing the animations. They really, really do enhance it, I think. Oh, yeah. Those animations are so good. And I I went and tried to find like the lead animating designer or whatever, and I, I could not do it. So for our fact checkers or you know anybody out there who knows who that is, please let me know the name of the animator for this game because I've been looking for it. Um, these I love these fainting animations and these like you know when Cadaver like flips up in the air and just does like the side beam thing that you kept doing over and over yeah. on the screen. <laughs> that is so sick. Like and especially when you're coming from a 2D Pokemon game and all of a sudden you see Cadabra doing that, you're like you envision them in a whole new light that you never had before. Yeah. So you're like, oh my gosh, dude! If you want to find out who the lead animator is, you know what you got to do. What? Gotta be the game, dude. Gotta watch those credits. Oh, dude. You're right. What was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> how, right. do I, how do I look at a, a particular credit for this game? Hmm, I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> Shit. Oh, man, I feel dumb. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. All right, so we both had some uh, botched moments here on <laughs> the podcast, but cool. Okay, yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat the game real quick. Yeah. And we'll be right back. <laughs> And we're so, back, Kevin. So we're Kevin, back you're the Pokemon on the- champion. <laughs> you're the Pokemon champion now, uh, the leader of the Indigo Plateau. How are you feeling, dude? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm pretty feeling pretty good. Uh, could have done a lot of things better, but um, Blaine was pretty easy. Uh, just swept yeah. right through that gym. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so who's the lead animator now that you've watched the credits? Um, Peter Williams, I believe, is sick. his name. Um, Sweet. So yeah, it's cool. Anyway, uh, I also wanted to touch on coming back to the visuals. I wanted to touch on the UI for this game. I think it's pretty good, um, at least for what it is. It's so nice and concise, especially for like a Pokemon battling game. You know how the the menu would pop up whether you'd want to fight or something like that. It was kind of clunky back in the day, in my opinion. It may not be your opinion. But in this game, you kind of have it all like, if you know what the moves are going to be, like the sequence, like you could press A and then your move, and then you're good to go. You didn't have to check the moves. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could press A and then your move, and then you just have this clean interface and view of the Pokemon battling stage. And uh, I don't know, I just thought the UI was really nice of this game. That's just my thing. Tying it back into gameplay a little bit, that's also a really nice way for them to handle the multiplayer aspect, where you can... You, you, you can ask your friend, hey, turn away for a second, I have to check my moves. And then if you have a good friend, then they'll do it. And then you just hold down the R button, check your moves, and then you make your selection, then you're good to go. Um, but if you have your moves memorized, the opponent doesn't ever have to see them. Well, even if you don't have them memorized, you can check them while they're not looking. Um, but either way, the point is, they solved the problem of how to make move selections with your opponent right there. They totally solved it. Yeah. And it's something that I that I thought about when I was playing, but I didn't even think about writing it down for one reason or another. So I'm really glad that you bring that up, because you know it's like, you know, screen watching is a much maligned thing that happens. <laughs> like you know, in Goldeneye, that's probably the prototypical example of that. Uh, stadium, you know, it doesn't have to be a problem. Yeah, and you can just press the button for not only the move but the Pokemon itself, in which they don't know the exact one that you're choosing. Yeah. So you could memorize all the Pokemon in your party and their buttons. That would be incredibly impressive. But even if you didn't, um, 
they still have like the button mappings on them, so you don't have like this cursor like overlooking them. Um, you could just select the Pokemon. So I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. The one drawback I think about that is that if you're used to menuing quickly through games, which some people are and some people aren't, I think it's pretty easy to make a misinput, which I did maybe a couple times. Nothing that like shattered my beautiful experience with Pokemon Stadium or anything like that, but it is kind of annoying. And it's maybe a little easier for that to happen in this game than other games. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, honestly, that does it for visuals for me. Yeah. Um, I have a few more comments, but nothing too detailed. I do like the effects that they have for the moves, like the lightning, the fire, the water, all that stuff. Um, they really helped bring the game to life. Um, less so than the animations. I think the animations of the Pokemon themselves really are what give the game its visual presence, and that's something that you and I both talked about, so I won't belabor the point very much. Um, I think the things other than the Pokemon generally don't really look that great. Like, um, It is really cool that they have different environments for the different gyms, which is something I wasn't necessarily expecting, but they did it really well, I think. Uh, you know, the fire gym looks different from the water gym, which looks different from the electric gym, etc., etc. A really nice touch there. And as I said, I think the things other than the Pokemon aren't really much to write home about, but the thing is that there aren't really many things other than the Pokemon because the focus is the Pokemon. Like, the game exists so that you can see these Pokemon in beautiful 3D. Everything else is just kind of a gravy, really. Right. One thing I did think was really cool was the trainer portraits that you see before and after battles. I thought that those are really, really cool. Just something I don't really know why, but just something about them. They looked kind of hand-drawn, which you know they were at some point. Um, probably by Ken Sugimori, um, who was the artist for the Pokemon themselves. Maybe not for the people. But yeah, those things were really charming. They really yeah. lent a lot of personality. Oh, another thing. I just thought of this. It's not in my notes, but the nicknames that the trainers give their Pokemon... Super funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like reordering syllables, uh, replacing syllables with their syllables. Super funny. Love that. In which our uh, our boy Z-Link pointed out to us, if you name them a certain name, the palette of their uh, the color palette of the Pokemon change, which is kind of interesting. But some of them look kind of gross. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, this was before shiny Pokemon were a thing, so they were kind of uh, flying off the cuff here. I think. Yeah. Um. One thing you mentioned just recently. Oh, what was it? Was it the different environments? Yes. Okay, yes. Pokemon Stadium 2, I just want to clarify, uh, goes in and kind of fixes that problem. Well, not really problem, but they address that issue, and they do a lot more elaborate um, stadiums. So I think you I think you would be in for a treat if you ever played Pokemon Stadium 2. Um, so hopefully you would get the chance one day. I think, honestly, I think this is me talking to the audience, by the way. I think that Kevin has his goal here of <laughs> long conning me into playing Pokemon 1 on the on the pretense of it being for the podcast so that I have formed my opinion about Pokemon Stadium 1, and then one day I get Pokemon Stadium 2, and I'm just blown away by all the improvements, <laughs> and I give it a perfect rating on Interstate Gamers, and then Kevin's like, yes. Ah, crap. I did it. You... I figured you out, man, in an open book. <laughs> Dang it. Uh, all right. Well, before we close out visuals, uh, what's your favorite animation? Uh, hmm. Well, I really enjoy the animation of Jigs, a.k.a. Jigglypuff, a.k.a. <laughs> pre-evolution of Wigglytuff, deflating 
whenever she faints, <laughs> she deflates and then she goes woo 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 like you know a typical like like she looks like a, a leaf falling down from the tree into the ground. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah, she's like super flat. Yeah, my other favorite was probably either Kadabra or Alakazam. I don't remember which. But when they faint, they sit down on the ground and toss up their spoon, and then it hits them in the head. <laughs> I think that's Kadabra, probably. <laughs> yeah, um, Alakazam kind of falls to his knees and like holds out his spoon as like one last effort. Oh yeah, he takes then, his old man breath. It's like yeah. oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of my favorites is kind of it, it's a very underrated one for me. Uh, Hitmonlee is really good uh, when he faints. Uh, I like the fainting animation, so you're probably gonna see that. Um, also Farfetch'd, where he like he kind of like staggers and he's like oh oh and then he falls down and he loses his little celery stick and then uh, he like reaches out to grab for it but then the Pokeball takes him away. Aww. The, the animations <laughs> are so good in this game. Oh, I can't I can't even. But anyway, you're gonna have to beat the game again. Look at those credits. Yeah. Or just go on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, so is that that does it for you on visuals, right? Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, uh, so what did you give visuals, man? Gave him an eighty. An eighty? Ah, fresh four out of five, huh? Nice round number. <laughs> yeah, he gave him an eighty, and I will give him a ninety-five. Hell yeah, shale, yeah, shelter. Um. So yeah, ninety-five. Um, and that'll move us on to our audio section. Um, I don't have a ton to say about the audio section. Um, why don't you start us off? Sure. Well, I think the most noteworthy audio-related thing in this game is the announcer. Oh, yes. Who is very distinctive, very uh, very attention-grabby, I would say. I think the announcer really likes the sound of his voice, which probably is a requirement of the profession, TBH. Um I know it is for podcasting, so it probably is for Pokemon Stadium, too. <laughs> um, but so I, I was reading a little bit about this online, and I got the distinct impression that many fans of Pokemon Stadium are not fans of the announcer because he can get repetitive. Uh, he says things like, what's the matter, trainer, if you don't make a decision, which I thought was great, at least the first two times I heard it. Um, but I didn't spend all that much time with this game. I think I probably played it for a total of 10 hours or less. And in that time, the announcer didn't get to the point where it was really bothersome for me. Um, in fact, I found myself impressed by the range of phrases that the announcer had in his arsenal. Things like, oh, there's now this number of Pokemon, or this Pokemon has this status condition. And, you know, of course, he had to say the name of every Pokemon, which is pretty impressive, even with just the 151. Um, and I found that he adapted to the situation of the battle pretty well. So, all in all, I would say from my somewhat limited experience, I would say that the announcer is pretty cool, actually. Dude, I love the announcer. Let me, <laughs> let, let me give you all the skinny on the announcer, okay? The skinny on the announcer is that he is freaking amazing. Anybody who doesn't like the announcer, you can take it up with me. Because that guy, what do, what do you want him to do? Do you want him just to be like a golf announcer? Be like, and uh, Pidgeotto uh, got hit by a thunder. And uh, it seems to be that he is uh, down for the count. Looks like so, Electro to uh, use self-destruct. Uh, fucking why? <laughs> so uh, 
yeah, red is all out of Pokemon. Uh, I believe that means he loses. But no, who wants that? You want somebody who's getting hyped. You want somebody who's like bringing the action to you. And oh, this, it's that's, a Magneton! <laughs> exactly. Like that really, it really just hypens up like the whole match. And uh, Chris, my friend Chris and I are uh, Zlink zero nine three. We we play this other Wii game. It's called Pokemon. I think Battle Revolution or something like that. Oh, I've been wondering about that. We played this game. It's a lot like Pokemon Stadium, just like much worse. Um, so all the 3D models are really good and updated, but that's about the only thing good about this game. The animations are worse. Um, the announcer flat out sucks. Um, so for one, that made me appreciate the announcer from the Pokemon Stadium games. I love that dude. I love the fact that he says, what's the matter, trainer? Uh, I quote that all the time, and nobody knows what I'm talking about. But, you know, I, I really enjoyed him, and yeah, I think he brought a lot of intensity to the game um which i thought was lacking a lot of the other kind of pokemon stadium games now having said all that i do think it's good that you have the choice of turning off the announcer if you want dude i didn't even i didn't even need to know that was an option (laughs) (laughs) the love for the announcer is endless on the part of kevin (laughs) yeah um but one thing i want to touch on uh is the menu sounds I actually really love the menu sounds of this game. They're little nuanced sounds of the game. Uh, not only that, but like the Pokemon cries and things like that. So like the menu sounds are like, uh, remember when you would like beat a trainer's Pokemon and you beat all of them and they go. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, isn't that awesome? <laughs> and they do like these like cool like animations when you do things or when you select something like. I, I don't know. It, the menu navigation sounds were really elaborate, but they worked. And I don't know how they worked, but they did. And I actually really like the Pokemon cries in this game, especially coming from, once again, uh, the handheld games to Pokemon Stadium. You're like, wow, these are much better. So I have a little elaboration on that, actually, is that I noticed, uh, like you did, that they didn't directly port the cries from the handheld games. They you know, re-recorded them to sound a little more organic and less, like, 8-bitty. Um, and that's actually in contrast to Pokemon Coliseum, which I believe just straight-up imported the cries from the Gen 1, Gen 2, Gen 3 Pokemon from the handhelds. Seriously? Yeah. With Gen 3, it's a little different because the Gen 3 cries were a little more realistic-sounding most of the time. They had kind of gotten past all the... You know, whatever. Um <laughs> So those meshed in a little bit better with the 3D environment. But the Gen 1 and Gen 2 cries, although I personally like them the way they are, I could see them being jarring in a game with like more modern graphics because uh, we're talking about the GameCube era here. Uh, with Pokemon Stadium, though, they kind of bypass that entirely by re-recording the 151 cries, which is pretty cool, and that's no small effort either. Yeah, I, uh, I particularly like Hitmonlee. Once again, I like his cry. You should go back and uh, listen to his cry. I think it's pretty cool. Isn't it like... Or something? It's like, it's like he's like... <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> it's like just really fools. deep. Yeah. It's really cool. I like I like all of his animations and sounds and stuff. That's where I really kind of gained a love for Hitmonlee. But yeah. Uh, I do want to move on to the music a little bit. Now, I am very much a music person, but... The way that I played this game is that I usually played it while live streaming. 
And uh, I had my TV on a low volume because I didn't want to wear headphones and do all that stuff. Uh, but the point is that I didn't really hear the music all that well most of the time. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I loaded up a YouTube video like of the entire OSD and let it play for a little while while I was doing something else. Uh, so I could kind of evaluate it a little more properly. Um, so the game does have a lot of the same battle themes and gym leader themes and stuff that you hear in the handhelds. But I also think that there's some new music too. I'm not overly familiar with Gen 1, so I'm not sure. Um, but my, my general impression of the music is that it's good. It's Pokemon music, and it's a soundtrack to a battle, uh, most of the time in this game at least, because that's what the game is all about. Um, so I don't really feel too strongly on the music. I That's probably one part of the review that I didn't give uh, enough time to, or enough effort to, right. if anything. So uh, I apologize. I have a... I've brought dishonor to my family. Um, <laughs> my, uh, my, my family chock full of musicians, which actually is not the case. Um, but one thing I do want to mention that I can say more, uh, more decisively is that I think the music when you're battling is a little awkwardly quiet. What do you think about that? Uh, I think that might be because you were streaming as well. I think it, it's got a good level. Well, no, because um, I went back and I played without streaming and I turned okay. up the volume on the TV and all that stuff. Okay, no, then I think it's okay. Uh, you know, I think in part it's probably due to the <laughs> announcer, but um, if you play, <laughs> once again, Pokemon Battle, Battle Revolution, I guess I'm using that as a gold standard of what not to do, <laughs> because that was honestly the worst Pokemon Stadium ex- kind of experience I've had. It's not really Pokemon Stadium, but pretty much is. Yeah. Um, and so I was... <sighs> I, I think it's pretty good. I, I know the tune. I was like, it's like, which is very similar to Gen 1, but just kind of like enhanced and sounds a lot better because it could. It was on the console. Um, I think it sounds pretty good, especially if it was like really loud. It would be kind of annoying if you were just kind of sitting there and playing through it. It would probably start to bother you. So I think it was meant to loop in the background to keep intensity, but not necessarily gain focus. Yeah. And I think they wanted to bring the announcer out a little more too. So that also helped. Yeah. The announcer was clearly a selling point because a, he's, you know, the announcer and is very prominent as we discussed, but also because if you look on the title screen before you actually start playing, they say right there on the title screen, voice compression technology by whatever company. And it's like that was a big enough deal at the time that they had to give them credit on the title screen for even being able to fit all of the audio data for the announcer on the cartridge, um, which is pretty cool. So from that perspective, I do understand them wanting to emphasize the announcer because clearly a lot of effort went into putting him in the game as much as he was. Yeah, and I think if the music was any louder, you couldn't hear the Pokemon cries too. Yeah. I see those points. I still personally think it's a little quiet, but that's a very subjective thing. So I'm not going to like fight anybody on it. Um, don't come Peter. see me in the street. I'm at home. So <laughs> Yeah, Peter's out in the streets like, Pokemon Stadium was too quiet. <laughs> Somebody else is like, no, it wasn't. I'm like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> um, cool. This actually might be related to, this is my last audio point, by the way. It sounds like we're kind of wrapping up here. Um, yeah. So as I said, the announcer... The fact that he exists is impressive because they had to use special voice compression technology to get the file size down to whatever they did. Um, the N64 cartridge didn't have as much storage space as things like the PlayStation CDs. 
So oftentimes audio quality took a hit because they had to lower the quality so that they could fit all the sounds they needed. Later on, that became less of an issue. But I think that comes into play here. It might just be my imagination, but I feel like the the actual quality of the sounds and the music in the game, like, I just feel like it's not that great. I feel like everything's like a little bit tinny or a little bit like low bitrate sounding or something. Not bitrate, like bit depth. That's a technical thing. Um, anyway, I, I just get the impression that although the sounds are good and the music is good, the actual quality of them maybe takes a hit. Um, and this is another thing that I'm not even sure exists. It might just be me like making up something in my mind, but I feel like I wouldn't be making it up if there wasn't some clue there for me. Hmm. Interesting. That is an interesting perspective. Um, I guess also though, consider it being on the Nintendo 64. (laughs) Well, I know that, but there were games coming out around this time, like perfect dark, for example. I mean, perfect dark had the expansion pack, so maybe that's cheating a little bit. But there were games coming out around the similar time or even earlier where I didn't have this impression. Now, actually, part of it might be that this is a game that I've that I played for the first time recently. So right. maybe I'd gotten used to like the subpar sound quality of the N64 with all the other games. So <laughs> you actually bring up a good point there. Hmm. Yeah, I was just trying to think of like a non-expansion pack uh, N64 game that kind of like blows you away with soundtrack. And while there are some. There's not like a ridiculous amount, and I think given <laughs> once again going back to announcer dude, um, given the work that they did on him, uh, probably there's a lot of, a lot of emphasis on that as you mentioned, and not so much having a standout soundtrack. Yeah, it's more about the feel, I think. Yeah, which I'm not sure was necessarily the right choice, but that's another subjective thing. That's more along the lines of like what the goal of the game is, and. You and I have our ideas, but we're not 100% sure because we're not the developers, you know. Right. We'd have to go to the credits to see who those guys are. Exactly. The novel idea of reading the credits to figure out the credits for a <laughs> credit. Is that you're interested <laughs> Man, maybe I should stay after movies from now on. <laughs> anyway, uh, that does it for me on audio. All right, what you got? I got a solid, fat, fresh 85. Nice. Yeah. So I was hopping between a 60 and an 80 because there's no there's no in-between point on those two numbers, I don't think. Um, there's definitely one. It's, it's called a 70. I, I, think that's, I think that's fake news. <laughs> I don't think 70 is real. Fact checkers, tell me... Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> 60 or 80. I think I'm going to go with the 80. I think I'm going to... I'm going to let my subjective opinions take a back seat here because I think I have to try to be a little bit objective on the show. And I think that overall, for the purpose of the game, at least the way that we think of it, that we think is probably the focus of the game, I think it does the audio really well. Okay. There are some things that I would do differently, but I'm just me. You know, I'm not Nintendo. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give it an 80. Cool. Cool. Well, that rounds mine to. I think that yours is just an eighty, but mine yep. <laughs> for aesthetics. But uh, my aesthetics is a ninety, a solid, fat, fresh ninety. Um, the visuals really kind of brought that home, and then I think the eighty-five still kept it strong. So, yeah. Anyway, that moves us on to content, and yeah, let's let's let you kick off on this one. All right, you know I'm all about that content. Yeah. So, as a recap, 
because I think the context is important to think about with the content. Yeah, those are similar words, actually, turns out. Um, so we believe that the point of Pokemon Stadium is for you to see your Pokemon from your Game Boy in 3D and to battle with them and have a grand old time with your friends or with the computer. Right. Having said that, um, the game is, I would say, like 90% battling, which is fine because of <laughs> the goal of the game. Yeah. The good thing, and we talked about this in the gameplay section, so again, I won't belabor the point, is that there are multiple ways that you can battle. You have cups, you have the gym leader castle, it's called, I think. Right. You can play like random quick battles where you get a, you get assigned six Pokemon and you just choose the three you want. Of course, you can battle with your Game Boy Pokemon. These are all kind of the same rules. They're not like they're not different gimmicks or anything like that. It's not like oh, this is a double battle, or in this one you can't use status moves or whatever. Like there, there's nothing, there's no variation like that. Um, so I would say overall, it's mostly the same kind of content as far as the battles are concerned. Um, because the levels may change, which you know is not a tiny thing, but it is like it's not the biggest deal, I don't think. The landscapes may change, like the gyms that you're fighting in or the stadiums you're fighting in. But at the end of the day, it's all just battling. Now, having said that, I would say that the gym castle is really cool. That's the one that I enjoyed more and the one that I spent more time playing because it felt purposeful. More so than the cups did to me personally. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I you know, the content does it, and I don't think it was set out to really do this, but it doesn't actually set out to wow you. Um, but I think it does its job as a fun multiplayer Pokemon battling game. Um, so I think they tried to build upon the fact that it was a battling game and give you many options to battle with. But that being said, you're right, it's 90% battle. They did even went so far as to include the mini games, which I do appreciate and was pretty fond of. Um, I agree. And so, and then they went they went through the trouble of allowing you to play the Pokemon Adventure game in it. I don't know how long that must have taken. I had no clue. Uh, I wonder if it was easy or hard. I don't know. I'm actually being interested to know that. But, um, yeah, so for the most part, it doesn't wow you, but I think it builds upon nicely what it was trying to do. Yeah, I agree. Um, I do want to say, I don't think I talked about the minigames very much. I'm not going to go into detail, really, about them. But um, I will say that, like, five different people when they found out I was playing Stadium for the first time, including you, they're like, oh mm-hmm. man, you gotta play this minigame or this minigame. And I was like, geez, okay, I guess the minigames are a big deal. <laughs> and they were actually really fun. And yeah. I was having a decent amount of fun just by myself, and I can only imagine the fun is, uh, what do you say, doubled when you have a friend with you, you know? Yeah, exactly. Imagine imagine playing with your friend. You know you said the Sandshore game sucked, but imagine playing when you're that game with your friend and just kind of like <laughs> mashing the LR buttons just to see. And you don't know because you're down in the hole. You can't really see like where exactly you are. So you're just hoping and praying that you come out on top and <laughs> it's just so much fun. Oh yeah. man. Back to the, the meat and potatoes of the game. I did find it fairly difficult. Uh, as I mentioned, I struggled a little bit with Blaine. Uh, Blaine was actually kind of my, uh, my white whale, or my Achilles heel, or whatever metaphor you want to use. You you could um, say Blaine was the bane of your existence. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> Blaine was the Blaine of my existence, and also the bane <laughs> of my existence. Um, but the good thing is I had played a decent amount of the game before I lost to Blaine, so I feel like I still got a pretty good grasp on what the game had to offer. But anyway, uh, fairly difficult. 
I think a lot of that is due to the fact that you're not always sure what Pokemon your opponent will use because of the random factor, which I mentioned in gameplay. Um, but also the, the the main stadium area with the multiple cups, each cup has, or most of the cups I think have multiple difficulties, so you have options there. I'm not sure exactly what changes, I think it's the AI somehow. Um, I haven't really played that much to know. Kevin, do you have maybe any insight on that? That the AI changing per cup? Or like uh, per difficulty setting of each cup. Like if, if you know what the differences are. And if you don't, that's fine. Not necessarily. Like, I can't remember. Can you change the difficulty for each cup? Yeah, like if you choose a... I don't think every cup has multiple difficulties. I was reading a little bit about this online uh, as research. But, for example, if you choose the uh, the Poke Cup, I think it is. Right. Then you have four difficulties. You have like the Pokeball difficulty and then Great Ball, Ultra Ball, Master Ball. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it it's not necessarily the AI... I mean, I guess it, it kind of is, as it so much is the Pokemon. Okay. I only but, ever played the one difficulty, so I didn't experience the variety. Right. right. No, they get, the Pokemon get a little bit harder. Uh, I don't believe you can use, one thing we didn't mention, I don't believe we can use Mewtwo as, as a selected Pokemon in the registered set. So that means if you want to use Mewtwo, you'd have to transfer him into the game. Now, the cool thing, though, and this is something I learned just from research, is that at some point in the game, I don't know if it's you, if it's after you beat all the cups or if it's after you beat the Elite Four, probably both, uh, you can unlock a Mewtwo battle where you fight against said uh, legendary uh, quote-unquote evil Pokemon, which actually is really cool. Um, yeah. I didn't know what sort of unlockable content to expect, if any at all, when I plugged in the game, and I didn't get far enough to see anything like that, but... Based on my research online, you can unlock a Mewtwo battle, which is really cool. has its own theme music, turns out. I listened to that a little bit. Um, but also, apparently, you can unlock a second round of difficulties for the Pokemon Stadium, like the main Stadium Cups. Oh. And you can also unlock a second Mewtwo battle, I believe. This is all hearsay. I don't know this for myself, but <laughs> I'm trusting <laughs> I'm trusting Wikipedia here, the word on the street. Um, so that's cool. Um Again, it's still battling. It's still, at the end of the day, the same thing. But if you're a Pokemon master and you want to go ahead and give yourself that young challenge, you can go ahead and do that, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, I think that first Pokemon Mewtwo Pokemon battle is at the end of the Elite Four, which I hope you get the chance to get that far. I don't know, man. It It is quite an experience because I think the music like kind of picks up and it makes you feel really more intense. And you kind of feel the intensity of it. I don't know why, but in the Elite Four you do. And then when you get to Mewtwo, you're like, oh my gosh, Like this, <laughs> how could this get any more intense? <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought that was pretty cool too. My last comment on content is the gallery, which is something I didn't actually know existed until as I was writing down my final notes for the game. So that was kind of a clutch discovery on my part. But the gallery is an area where you can choose any of the the main 149 Pokemon, I'll call them. Uh, all of them besides Mewtwo and Mew. And you can place them in any of the stadium environments that you want and just take photos. Yeah. The cool thing is that the Pokemon go through their idle animations, so you can see uh, you can see the character that the animators uh, infused into the Pokemon, which is really nice, because it is a huge part of the aesthetics, I think. And uh, it's actually a really sweet way for you to be able to just look at your favorite Pokemon, which is 
half of the point of this game, I would say, as we've said several times now. So I had a lot of fun, more than I expected, actually, just picking random Pokemon from the list of the 149. Like, oh, I wonder what uh, Kabutops' animations look like, or I wonder what uh, Victreeble's animations look like in this game. Um, and granted, you can only see the idle animation, but you actually have a lot of control over the camera, which impressed me. Um, like more than you do in Super Smash Brothers Melee, even or it's the same, <laughs> which is actually pretty impressive in its own. Um, yeah, but yeah, you know, they took the fact that this was maybe not the first. That's actually something I kind of want to think about our research. Maybe not the first instance of 3D Pokemon, but certainly an instance where they show them off as much as possible. Yeah, for sure. I had I just had a lot of fun with the gallery more than I expected, and I think it's a really nice little treat. I am quite confident it's the first Pokemon game. To feature all of the Pokemon in 3D. Probably, yeah. I would say so. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I agree with you. Um, Man, what a good game, honestly. (laughs) So, uh, that does it for me on content, honestly. Yeah, I'm I'm all set, too. Cool. Well, let's hear yours for a change. What'd you get? Well, I've had a pattern of 80s. However, this one's different. Oh, Actually, I'm lying. This one's also an 80. (laughs) (laughs) That was a roller coaster, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. So I guess we know (laughs) what you ranked this game. What's 80 times 5 divided by 5? Hmm. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, 73. Yeah. But, okay, so so uh, so yours is an 80. Mine is actually very close to that. Um, Any guesses? Uh, well, for your content score? Yeah. Very close to an 80. I'm going to say, I'm going to go above 80. I'm going to okay. say an 82. Oh, so close. 81. Oof. Got a young 81 for my content score. So, averaging all those together for me, so we have, going reviewing, gameplay 90, aesthetics 90, and then 81 content. That'll bring... My overall score to exactly an 87. So, for our IG score, that'll bring us to... 83.5, I think. 83.5, which rounds up to an 84. So our IG score is an 84. So, going to our overall rankings... Well, actually, the spreadsheet does allow for one decimal point, so it would be an 83.5 in the spreadsheet. Oh, so it exactly ties Mario Kart 64. Really? Yeah. Wow. On the IG rating. <laughs> oh no, what are we going to do? Uh, maybe I should look I should look at a previous version of the spreadsheet before I applied my changes and maybe see if that might be a deciding factor. Or we could just say screw it. Maybe they are the same. Maybe they are the same and goodness. Maybe they are. The point is that um I believe that these two games, Mario Kart 64 and Pokemon Stadium, I believe they tie for the lowest score. They do. They do, but they are not... They are last but not least. These are in the 80s still. And uh, in terms of rating media, an 8 out of 10, as I would call it, is still really, really good. Oh, yeah. And let's not forget that this is technically your lowest game, but mine, it's, it's still Mario Kart. This actually is ranked above Metroid Zero Mission for me, slightly. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Um, but anyway, those are our rankings. Uh, go check them out at tiny, again, tinyurl.com slash IG ratings. Um, that is not a meme. I know you probably don't trust us after uh, last episode, <laughs> but uh, we're, I'm, a, I'm actually being serious. This is no April Fool's joke. That day has passed. Um, so go check that out. Um, so that about does it for our, uh, really our main meat and potatoes of the show. Now it's time for a dessert. Now it's time for dessert. Now it's time for a really fun segment I like to call the quick attack section. In this section, uh, I basically uh, spoon feed Peter some news. I throw it at him real quick, uh, like like the Pokemon uh, move called quick attack. And as the name implies, he's got to be quick into answering, okay, whether he buy or sells this uh, fact, this piece of gaming news that I am telling him. Um, but there's a slight twist with the naming of it. We're doing coolin' or foolin' this week. And yeah. I like those words. Without further ado, here we go. So, PlayStation released a trailer for the Spyro Reignited trilogy, and it looks absolutely amazing. I don't know if you've seen it, but they've shown the differences between um, the original Spyro on the uh, regular PlayStation and the updated graphics on this new one. Oh my goodness, they completely remastered the game. Um, so are you cooling or fooling this Spyro Reignited trilogy remastered? I know you haven't played much Spyro, but if you've looked at the differences and known how important Spyro is to the trilogy, what do you think? I've looked at the differences, and so far I'm pretty cooling on this, I would say. Yeah. Now, I will qualify by saying, gotta see that gameplay. Gotta feel that gameplay. I don't know, yeah. because I've never played Spyro, but uh, I, I don't want this to be like a Crash Bandicoot situation where the remaster disappoints people from a gameplay perspective. I hope that it, uh, that Spyro holds up, that they make whatever adjustments they need to to keep it fun, keep it crisp. Um, yeah, otherwise, though, I'm definitely cooling. Cool. Um, so, our next one. Speaking of PlayStation, um, Spider-Man. I don't know if you've seen anything on the new Spider-Man game or if you've played any of the previous Spider-Man games, but... The new Spider-Man game is actually finally having a release date for September 7th. This is a game that a lot of people have built a lot of hype around. Um, so people are anxiously awaiting this game, and I think it's going to be a good one. I'm cooling on that too, man. Um, the only Spider-Man game I've ever played was for the Game Boy Advance way back in the day. That one was fun, but I can only imagine that like, you know, a AAA, I assume a AAA PlayStation 4 game, or even PlayStation 5 game, who knows, will just be really solid. And I also like Spider-Man. I have a soft spot for Spider-Man, more so than any other superhero. So, Yeah, Spider-Man's pretty cool. Um, so, our next one. Uh, Breath of the Wild is releasing, or the developers for Breath of the Wild, I guess not really the developers, the guy who made the soundtrack for Breath of the Wild is releasing a 5-CD soundtrack on April 25th of this month. Uh, well, it's obviously this month, but on April 25th. Um, so uh, are you cooling or are you fooling this? So two things. First thing, I'm cooling, although I still haven't experienced the soundtrack for myself. <laughs> the second thing, what the fuck? Five CDs? Yeah, I was wondering that myself. I was like, do you really need that? That's, because, that's a potential 400 minutes of music. Do you realize yeah. that? Yeah, and well, I've, I've YouTubed uh, the soundtrack before, and... You can clearly tell it's not like they say original soundtrack in the YouTube video, but it's actually not. You can tell it's like just ripped off of something. Um, but 
it was four hours. And so, wow. I, I, yeah, I mean, but I don't see how, because I'm play, I play the game and, uh, and now it will include DLC music that I don't have, but there's not a lot of soundtrack to the game. There's not a lot of music, so I don't really know how they got five CDs worth. Um, but yeah, I'm just baffled by that as you are. Maybe some of it is ambient loops or something. Which actually would be pretty cool. But <laughs> yeah, this is the one that puts you to sleep, CD. <laughs> I mean, I'd be down. Like a guided uh, Zelda sleeping experience, I'd be so down for that. <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right. Anyway, uh, Detective Pikachu was recently released for the 3DS. Uh, this, feature, this game features a scruffy fat Pikachu. Sorry for the offensiveness of fat, but you kind of are. <laughs> that sounded like an old man with a deep voice, and he played the role of a detective. Are you fooling or are you cooling? So I have to say that this is the one piece of quick attack news that Kevin asked me to look up before the show. And it was goddamn worth it. <laughs> I watched this. I didn't, I knew nothing about this game. I'd never heard anything about this game. And Kevin shows this, shows me this trailer and this detective Pikachu with little hat and everything comes on. He has like, he's like some Bostonian or some like East coast accent. And he's like, well, you thought I was that guy? No, like I'm Detective Pikachu. It's like, what the fucking shit? Dude? I'm sorry for being profane. I try not to be too profane, but like, what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah, but that I was loved it. Awesome. I loved yeah. it though. Kevin and I were on the the call pre-show, and uh, I was kind of live tweeting, so to speak, my reactions as the trailer was playing, and Kevin was just like laughing the whole time. Like, yeah, I. It really is that weird. Um, also, apparently, the game has over three hours worth of cutscenes, which is longer than most feature films, if not all feature films, besides maybe <laughs> Gone with the Wind or something. So, yeah. I, I think I've got like a homework assignment for the week. I think I have to watch. A, <laughs> I think I have to watch Detective Pikachu, <laughs> the movie. Yeah, holy shit, man! I think what Mewtwo's featured in it, and he talks too. Well, at least there's precedent for that. Yeah. Oh, and maybe. Yeah, there's some other legendaries, I think. But yeah, that's cool. Detective goddamn Pikachu. Oh my god. <laughs> Alright, so uh, the new Kirby game, uh, Kirby Star Allies, I think that's what it's called, um, was recently released on the Switch and has gotten pretty meh reviews. I know we had played that on stream once uh, with Chris and I, and I think you were there in attendance. Um, the biggest criticism being that it didn't really stand alone as a Kirby game, it uh, didn't really introduce too many new WoW features. And a lot of people said it was a little too easy. So are you cooling or fooling? I mean, I know that kind of sounds like a negative fact, but hmm. are you still cooling anyway, or are you, you fooling? I guess I'm kind of fooling. Um, I think Kirby probably has more mediocre games than some other Nintendo franchises. Um, that's kind of a gut feeling I have. I've played some of those mediocre titles myself so i feel kind of confident in saying that but i really like the franchise so i'm not gonna like hate on on a new game you know what i mean yeah yeah um i think it looks really great and from the little bit i've played i think it it's uh pretty cool so i i was thinking about getting it until it got i mean it's not horrible reviews i would say it's somewhere around a high 70 uh so not not the worst but a little bit little bit disappointed I, I would say yeah but yeah that about does it for our quick attack section yeah which by extension means that it about does it for the show for the whole episode indeed it does we've really enjoyed bringing this episode to you guys uh it's definitely a fun one 
for once Peter got to play the game and uh, yeah. Yeah. We do listen to some other podcasts that we like to tell you guys about. At least I do. <laughs> uh, we've got the Easty Boys. They finally answered questions that were not about piss. Uh, this ep- I'm just kidding. Um, they had, <laughs> no. I, re- I really, really enjoyed their uh, most recent episode more so than some of their other ones. I think probably because all three of them were there this time, which doesn't always yeah. happen. Uh, but the Easty Boys, uh, our very own, our, their very own Jason Tate, sent in a wonderful uh, piece of email, electronic mail, which we really appreciate it. It's our first ever, and Jason gets the honor. Uh, we also encourage anyone else to give us any feedback that they have, whether it's via email, whether it's via Twitter or whatever other medium, uh, whether it's detailed and like kind of a question like Jason had, or even if it's just a little thing, you know, like whatever you have to say about the show, we're very happy to hear it. Uh, we're doing this for you guys, and we want to make it as good as possible. So, right, don't be shy. And there's a high possibility that it will be uh, read on the podcast. So. Hey, there you go. If you wanted to. (laughs) Right. If you don't want it to, then be like, yo, don't read this. And be like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Don't read this. (laughs) For your eyes only. Yeah. But yeah, we're very accessible. Uh, We're not hard to find. We're on Spotify and all that stuff and iTunes and everything. So yeah, we're not hard to find. Find us, rate us, subscribe, you know, like us, whatever you want to do. Follow us. Yep, Kevin's very active on Twitter as usual. So if you want to follow IG on Twitter, go to the IG underscore cast. We're on Facebook as Interstate Gamers. Uh, those are really the only social media we have that matter any. So go ahead and follow us on either of those if you want. And if you don't, then that's cool too. But it'll make me sad. <laughs> yeah, we re- the email we received today was uh, from Jason Tate. We received it. It was the address is uh, I think it's the Interstate Gamers at Gmail. That's true. And so, yeah, email us if you want to email us. And yeah. I have an important announcement. What's that? Tomorrow's my birthday. Hey, everybody. Hey. Uh, send uh, the IG uh, Twitter a quick happy birthday tweet if you happen to catch this podcast after his birthday, which most likely you will. So even if you're listening to this podcast like many months from now, go ahead and tweet at Peter and be like, happy birthday, man. Um, uh, you can but, send me a birthday gift at uh you you can PayPal me at the intercept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, happy birthday, man. Happy early birthday. Thanks, dude. Actually, uh this reminds me of an actual sort of announcement. Um not too much of an announcement, but Kevin and I and also our friend Chris, aka Zlink093, really uh an honorary member of the show at this point, I would say. Uh we've all been streaming a little bit more on Twitch. Um, Kevin, I know that right now you don't have the proper equipment to do so, but I know that that's something you want to do in the near future uh, if everything works out well. So if you guys want to see and hear us playing video games, you want to chat with us about whatever game we're playing, you can follow Chris at uh, Zlink093 on Twitch. You can follow me at deal underscore four underscore real. <laughs> that's the number four, the uh, the Arabic numeral four, not the word. Um Chris has been streaming more frequently than I, and he and Kevin have been doing a fun Pokemon Nuzlocke playthrough that's been fun to watch, but they're, they're going to do some other stuff too. If Pokemon's not your jam, first of all, I'm surprised you got this far. Second of all, uh, they'll be playing some other stuff too. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, cool. Well, uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for us, but yeah, definitely check us out there. I, I do frequent on Chris's stream, so yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And until next time, the double body armor, two quick ones. I already know I'm getting there on the perfect line.
Look at this outro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. See you later. Thanks so much for listening. All right, bye, guys. Bye.